All right, everyone, welcome to a new episode of Paul Kim Explains. We have a very, very special guest today. Monica's not here. I have switched her out with a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is uh, Urjit, and uh, I'm PK's uh, colleague. And uh, uh, switching Monica out, uh, if, you, if you're wondering why Monica sounds weird, because it's not Monica. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe she had a cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Urjit here was uh, gracious enough to offer, or actually agree, <laughs> to be interviewed. We were having some conversations on the way to, uh, to coffee one day, and he shared some things about his life and his experience that, frankly, shocked me and made me pretty sad. So I just wanted to talk to you and share with the mm-hmm. world about what your experience has been like and kind of some misconceptions about your religious beliefs, right. how you grew up, mm-hmm. the country that you're from, those kinds of things. So yeah. let, let's just start from the beginning. Can you share, uh, you know, where you're from, right. uh, you know, where you grew up, what your experience was like? Yeah. Um, so, so I'm from India. And uh, the kind of a quick historical background is my grandparents uh, were, they used to live in uh, this region called Banu which is on the border of present-day Pakistan and Afghanistan. And this was all before, you know, any of these countries were divided. Uh, so this is, when, this is when the Britishers were still ruling uh, the eastern colonies, basically. So are you uh, talking about, like, the 1800s? Yeah, time, right? yeah, 1800s, right? Uh, so India became independent in 1947. So it's actually pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, for example, like, like, my father was born in 1950, uh, in independent India. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, his birthday is coming up, but it's, oh. so it's it's well, twenty six. Yeah, yeah. But thanks. <laughs> uh, it's twenty six January, and twenty six January is the Republic Day of India. Mm-hmm. But in nineteen fifty, so three years after the independence, they were still drafting out the constitution and all the stuff. Uh, oh wow! That's okay. when my dad was born. Um, so my grandparents uh, basically migrated from uh, the the place I'm telling you about, Banu, which is uh, in the, what they call it as the Northwest Frontier Province of Pakistan now, present-day Pakistan. Um, so when India-Pakistan got divided, they migrated over to India. Uh, there was a mass exodus of uh, mostly Hindus and Sikhs. So, okay, uh, to preface, uh, I, I belong to the Sikh religion, and it was founded in that area, in northern Punjab, uh, which is again divided into India and Pakistan at this at this point, so they moved from uh, Pakistan, present-day Pakistan, to India, and uh, they were kind of nomadic for a couple of years because they were put into these refugee camps, and uh, they were still trying to figure out life. I mean, it, it's it was basically like you just get uprooted from where you're living and everything, and you just you're just forced to go to this new country, and you just settle there and. Uh, so your father spent his childhood then as a refugee? Yeah, like the very few initial years. Not exactly, I would say, as a refugee, because I think by the time my dad was born, they were a little bit settled. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they were, they just moved back. So they, they, lived, they came to Punjab in India, which was still turbulent. And then they moved inwards into the country. And then they tried to go back to Punjab because uh, that's where, you know, they thought, you know, we're, we're, we're from Punjab and we should stay there. 
it was still turbulent, so they went back again to the middle part of India. Uh, it's called it's a state called Madhya Pradesh, which literally means the central state. Okay. <laughs> so he, he, that's where he was born. So, so just to back up, yeah, your your family's originally from like modern day Pakistan. Your grandparents, English, right, 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 yeah. And then your parents, well, your dad he had was, to go from there to central India. So my dad was born in India. By that time, the division had happened. Mm -hmm. But for example, my dad's elder brother, he was born in in modern day Pakistan, for example, and oh, then they migrated. So you can imagine this family with little kids, like barely a few years old, and they migrated the whole entire breadth of Pakistan, actually, uh, because they were on the border towards Afghanistan. So they migrated all the way and then they came into India. And, and so that's, and that's probably the story from about 80% are, okay, I'm probably exaggerating, but like 60 to 80% of Sikh population because it was pretty spread out. There was no India, there was no Pakistan before. It was all one big country. So, and then people, you know, migrated across. Um, so I was born in, in Punjab in India. So Pakistan has its own Punjab, um, just can, FYI. Can, can, you, can you explain what Punjab is? For yeah, so Punjab is a state, a uh, state in India. And it, so most of the states in India actually are divided on basis of language. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can fairly surely say that each separate state in India has its own language. So Punjab state has the Punjabi language. Um, and Punjab is actually kind of a different connotation as well because it is a region as well as a state uh, because it is also, it is divided in Indian Punjab and Pakistani Punjab. So I was born in, in Punjab in India and then uh, I moved to the Jammu and Kashmir state for a little bit and then uh, I moved to another state in India called the Western state and called Gujarat. Lived there for a couple of years. Life in India is actually quite different from US mm -hmm. um, and I, I would especially like to highlight the fact that it is very, very, very uh, mixed uh, cultural experience. US or India? In India. In India. Right, okay. yeah. Because I, as a Sikh living there, you know, you come in extremely close contact with, with Hindus and, and Muslims and Christians and Jains and Buddhists. Like, there are so many different religions and every religion has its own culture. Every state has its own distinct culture. So you might, you might you know, go to a separate state and you just absorb that culture. Uh, so I think it, it's a very uh, culturally rich experience uh, that I had growing up. Uh, and then, uh, in, like, moved around the country a lot, basically. Uh, so I... I picked up a few more languages, so I think I know about five languages now. Wow. I can understand a lot more because a lot of the state transitions are, you, you can imagine that the, the language itself changes sort of the dialect every, say, 100 kilometers or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's actually pretty insane. So if you go to Punjab, there are regions that I would go to, although I know Punjabi very well, I would go there and I would not understand a lot of what they're saying I because see. they just have this really localized dialect. Right. So, but what that also means is a lot of these languages borrow a lot from each other. So, so it's like, if you know some basic languages, you can talk to like a big population of uh, India. Cool. So yeah, that's, that's where I grew up and I came to the US in 2009 to do my master's in computer science and I've been here since. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so just l let's, let's, let's step back a little bit. So mm -hmm. can you explain a little bit about what makes the Sikh religion distinct? Because People who practice the Sikh faith right. uh, have a very traditional dress, religious right. observance, right? And right. I think especially in the States, there's a big confusion right. with the Muslim Islamic right. faith right. and Sikh. Well, I mean, even to that point, like Hinduism right. and Sikhism right. is very different. Yeah. So can you can you kind of 
share from your perspective mm-hmm. right. what those differences are, and especially what Americans should know, right. or just Western-minded people should know right. about Sikhism and what makes it different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's uh, it was it was actually pretty shocking to me when I realized that uh, there there was there have been studies which show that seventy percent of Americans actually don't know uh, they can't differentiate a Sikh from uh, mainly uh, Muslim uh, identity and uh, to some extent a Hindu identity are like totally confused basically and I don't necessarily think it's like so anybody's fault um but I think in general we should all try to be more aware you know just spread more awareness uh uh, in terms of kind of the distinction I think 80% of the people that you'll see wearing a turban especially in the U.S. right uh are belong to the Sikh faith and I'm talking about mainly men uh so mainly the Sikh males uh wear a turban and they they don't cut their hair and uh, they they they'll have a beard um, and so so one of the central tenets of the religion is this identity of uh, wearing a turban and not cutting their hair and to give you kind kind of a context of why that is um, so Sikh religion is actually pretty young uh, this was founded uh, in like fifteen sixteen hundreds um, and uh, this is the time when the time when India was going through a lot of uh, political turbulence and there was a lot of oppression and uh, basically what was happening was uh, in Persian invaders uh, came through what is the you know Afghanistan Pakistan route and they they were invading India mm-hmm. um, this is uh, this is around 1500s 1600s actually this started in 1400 and the Sikh movement had kind of started by then the, the first guru Guru Nanak had uh, you know he had started preaching I think around uh, 1400s and so you, you you can see this country is in a really turbulent state and uh, it, there's a lot of persecution and a lot of oppression and all of these things are happening and that is that is uh, that is where the Sikh religion had actually formed and uh, the distinct identity that you see is is explicitly to actually fight that off that being the 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 oppression and the tyranny because culturally uh, number one in India or you know a lot of those countries wearing a turban was uh, supposed to be a symbol of pride and and like a socioeconomic and I wouldn't even say socioeconomic status but honor uh, so most of the men would wear a turban so once they came off age they would uh, have the ceremony you know the elders of the family would place a turban on the the boy's head and say you know you're not you're an adult now and you have responsibilities and honor what was happening because of the persecution people were not allowed to wear turbans only nobility was allowed to wear turbans and uh, only the the royal people were allowed to wear turbans and so this is um, in effect a, a protest against discrimination based on socioeconomic status based on uh, religion and things like that so what it is saying is uh, uh, I believe in equality, and uh, I will not be bogged down by anybody saying you cannot do this because you belong to something else. So, um, so in fact, if you see if you see somebody who who's wearing a turban, is it's it's basically representing a, a fight for justice and equality, in in the way, in nutshell. In terms of uh, my experience in America, I would I would like to point out that yes, a lot of people confuse Sikhs, uh, especially men, uh, with with uh, with Muslim identity, but I think as a Sikh, especially saying that is also wrong, because I don't want to say um, it is okay to identify me as me, but don't identify don't identify me as a Muslim, because uh, that kind of creates this feeling that it's okay to identify them separately 
or you know it's okay to discriminate them but not me it's like saying it's it's them and not me i don't want to say that um i want to say number one i think basically don't reduce anyone to an identity you know if if you're doing that ask them about what they like in you know arts what what their taste is what their culture is like instead of just reducing them to an to an identity forgive me for reducing your identity no 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 just, it's, just, just to like, clarify here <laughs> the sikh belief system right. is distinct from the yes. islamic one right that's yeah. one yeah um two you guys don't share any shared texts or anything like no. that there's no shared tradition between those two belief systems uh okay so to kind of give you more context on that so there's no there's no shared text there's no uh it's not an off so okay one of the other things that i've heard a lot is americans believe that it is a uh it is an offshoot of islam but that is completely false um some people say it's an offshoot of hinduism which is again false um it, it's it's an independent religion it is actually the fifth largest organized religion in the world at this point it, what it has is uh philosophies from both religions from hinduism from islam uh to some extent from you could you can even say it's very similar to buddhism and and jainism um and the reason for that is because when sikhism was founded uh so we we have our own text the guru granth sahib and uh, it was compiled with philosophies and 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 poetry and uh and quotations of a lot of sikh gurus as well as uh hindu saints and and muslim saints so it's it's a culmination of those things um but it's not a offshoot of either i see yeah in terms of society right, right. so you mentioned the turban right but is there for women is right. there anything like th- like sikh women don't wear a niqab or a hijab or any of that no no, no none of that you like, might those see are, them those are coverings those are right yeah so they they don't have a traditional head covering in that sense except uh again uh it's it's a very cultural thing actually if you go to india or a lot of eastern countries uh people or especially women in general will will cover their head with a scarf or something and so the, it, there's no compulsion uh it's just like a traditional thing it's just it's a very uh, you wouldn't even like i wouldn't even notice it twice because i've just seen people do that there is no compulsion uh on sikh women or to cover their head or anything like that except when you go to a gurdwara which is a sikh temple everybody irrespective of gender is or anybody who is entering has to cover their head um it's 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 just a protocol uh, and and So the cultural context is uh, covering your head in front of somebody is uh, considered to be paying them respect. I see. Yeah. Um so especially you'll see uh when say younger people will go meet elders they will cover their head and touch their feet or about to them and and that's like I'm paying respect to you. Um so yeah there's no there's no niqab or head covering like that. Uh although some Sikh women might choose to wear a turban as well. um because one of the central tenets is gender equality so there's nobody stopping sikh women from uh wearing turban uh turban like the sikh men do so but going back to what you were i, I i'm just i'm elaborating yeah. on this cuz like right yeah especially from the west perspective right, right? right uh a lot of a lot of western countries view the traditions of right. south asian east asian um you know middle eastern right. cultures with Oh my god, they're so terrible in how they treat women, right? right? Right. But in the Sikh tradition, right. it's not that if a woman didn't wear hair covering, it's just right. correct me if I'm wrong, right. if they didn't wear hair covering, right. that there's like no social punishment. It's just like a choice. Oh yeah, absolutely. There is there is zero uh forced uh aspect of uh especially on the subject of uh, women covering their head. 
in general. Um, but again, as I said, if you go to a Sikh temple, uh, you're expected to cover your head, irrespective of who you are. Sure. Uh, but in general, like outside of that, nobody's saying keep your head covered. Sure. So y you've shared with me before in the past, um, mm -hmm. you know, that the Sikh history right. is very, very sad, actually. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of oppression. There's been a lot of right. conflict. I mean, even to this day in right. India, right. Uh, with people of the Sikh beliefs. So uh, can you share a little bit about what that was like for you growing up? I mean, right. there's been, there was like huge conflicts and, and upheavals right. that happened between the Sikhs and I think Hindus especially, right? Uh, yeah, like uh, in the recent history, yeah, in, in the early 80s, yeah. Um, yeah, as, uh, while I was growing up, uh, when I was in Punjab, I was actually little and I did not notice a lot. And as I moved out to different uh, states, which again, uh, point to bear is Punjab has a majority Sikh population. So then you're kind of like, uh, just an average person. But as you go to other states, you can, you start looking more distinct, you know. Um, so when I moved to Gujarat, I think I realized that, that a lot. Also because I was growing up at that point, I was a teenager. Um, and you start noticing things and... Um, it was, uh, I did, I definitely did uh, experience, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say racism because Sikhism is not a race, uh, but discrimination or ignorance, um, especially when you're kids. <laughs> I would get into fights in school because people were bullying me um, a bunch of times. Uh, so yeah, there was, there was definitely that experience. Um, I think, and as, as we grew up, I, I, I became friends with many of those people eventually, but I think what we also realize is uh, at, at a certain age, also, kids are ignorant or they don't know a lot about uh, social constructs. And uh, as they grew up, they realized, okay, this is what we were doing or something. And, you know, we, we became friends. And So I changed I changed a bunch of schools when I was in Gujarat, especially because uh, I moved uh, the education. I, I changed the education board. I remember, like, when, when I would join a new school, I would get bullied. And, you know, sometimes I would get into fights and... Uh, I just, I just, you know, had to show that, you know, I'm, I'm holding on to it, and eventually people would back off. So you're, you're, this isn't just like typical childhood behavior. A lot of these fights were because you're right. Yeah. So it was, I was being singled out on the streets. People would be shouting slurs. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, and and I and I was I was like young, and I would not, I would just wouldn't understand why people are saying that. I was like, why? What is wrong? What is wrong with me, or what is wrong with you? And you know, you have you have those questions when you're when you're younger. Um, sometimes I would just shout back at them and be like, "Why are you saying this?" And they would just laugh and walk away or something. Uh, sometimes it would get serious. Uh, I remember a particular incident where I was doing uh, an experiment. Uh, I think it was at my physics lab, and I was not getting results. Uh, for some, I, I forget what I was doing, but I was doing something silly. Um, I was doing something wrong, and uh, one of one of the guys comes up and says, "Oh, obviously you're not getting results because you're a Sikh." I was like, "How what? does that? Uh, yeah, I was like, how does that compute? How does that make any sense?" I was I was very distracted by that, and and I went back and talked to my friends about it, and and they, you know, they they talked sense into me to like, okay, this is uh, what might be happening. Um, but yeah, so I had experiences like that, but uh, I think they grew uh, less and less in number as I was growing up. Mm -hmm. One of the big reasons why that I asked to interview you was mm -hmm. because uh, your parents are visiting you right, here right. in San Francisco. Yeah. Right. And uh, I was asking, 
you know, while you're at work. They, right. How long have they been here for? Like a couple months now. Yeah, right? two months. They, the total stay is about two months. Yeah. yeah. So I was asking, you know, while you're here at work. Right. What are your parents doing? Are they going out? Are they traveling? And you yeah. told me, you know, I, I don't think it would be safe for them. Right. Which for me, as someone who's grown <laughs> up in the States. Right. Like, San Francisco is a pretty progressive place. I right. mean, it's notorious for being a very uh, liberal, right, kind right. of accommodating location. Yeah. So, so the fact that you felt concerned for their safety was shocking to me. Right. Um, so can you can you kind of share a little bit about, you've already talked about, you know, discrimination that mm-hmm. you face in India. Right. How has the discrimination in the States right. um, been for you in comparison to that? And right. Uh, can you talk about some of the changes? Like you've lived in New York and now right. you're living in San Francisco, right. right? What are the differences there? So right. why don't you just start with the differences between what you experience in in India and right. in the states? Yeah. Um, okay. So the I think the biggest difference between India, at least my personal experience, and I, I know there have been other situations for people in India, but um, a lot of uh, discrimination in India against Sikhs, especially, stems from the fact that. Uh, I don't know why, why, but there's this weird media obsession of uh, portraying Sikhs as um, very um, uh, definitely okay, lighthearted, but that's a positive trait. But also um, kind of uh, as as foolish people. Uh, if you if you go see films in India, uh, I think a lot of discrimination stemmed from that uh, media bias uh, in India. But and and it stopped at a certain age. Because people just mature and we became really good friends and and like you would you would still say that in in Indian society like nine ninety nine point nine percent of the people know and identify a Sikh as a Sikh and they know what their cultural history and and things like that. So at a certain age, it completely stops. Uh, so I don't think I've experienced any anything after the age of I would say like fifteen or sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came to the U.S., uh, I think the biggest difference here is people just don't know who who a Sikh is. Um, and uh, there's a lot of misplaced uh, identity, definitely. There's a, mis- a lot of misplaced judgment and just just confusion. Just people don't know about it. Uh, what, was your, what was the second part? Um, well, I mean, elaborating on that part, right? Like so, experiences here? Well, yeah, I mean, experiences here. So, you know, you talked about how... In, in India as a right. kid, right? People right. would just like yell at you right. and stuff like that. Did right. you experience that when you came to the States? The, okay, so in the States, my experience with the discrimination or racism has been kind of very different. Uh, the first time I actually noticed it was uh, I was uh, I was in New York. I was uh, hanging out with some friends and I had a headache. So I said, you know, I'm just going to go back home. And I was on the train and there's this uh, drunk guy. Uh, in the train and he just started shouting at me he's like oh you're a terrorist go away when was the last time you shaved your face and it's like he was drunk he was like a homeless person and that was a very jarring experience really uh, yeah because i mean your your friends might joke with you or or something but nobody calls you a terrorist in your face uh and i was this is like i was 22 23 and i was like i was still a kid in some sense and i just my first job i just moved out and I don't know, uh, getting getting a call like a terrorist on your face is, is not a pleasant experience of, uh, at all. And uh, that was my first experience. I got off that train and I was number one surprised that nobody else in the train kind of spoke up against it. Nobody was like, hey, back off, leave this guy alone. Um, and it, yeah, it took me a while to process that event. But then things after that, like... I've definitely had more experiences after that, but it was just like, okay, this seems like it happens here. And 
I, I don't know uh, this, the state of uh, news outreach here, but the first homicide in Fresno in 2016 was a Sikh man. Um, I think in 2016, which is like, what, 19 days now? Yeah. Um, there have been at least three attacks on Sikhs in California. <laughs> so I, I don't know, like given a population of 200,000 odd Sikh population here in California, um, the reason why I feel unsafe letting my parents out, out there by themselves is uh, it seems like there's a pretty high chance of getting attacked. It's, it's way higher than winning, winning the Powerball lottery. <laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah I, th I think uh, that's, that's where my fears come from, letting them out uh, by themselves. Because at some point, psychologically, you also feel, hey, if somebody attacks me, I can probably try to fight them. I think any human individual feels like that. But when you talk about uh, your loved ones and you you like, oh my God, I want to be able to protect them. Yeah, sadly, I don't feel uh, comfortable letting them out. Here. And do you feel that that's um, do you feel that that's a consequence of the differences between living in New York and living in San Francisco, or is it something else entirely? Yeah, I would say a little bit. Uh, I think in New York, what would happen is uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a bigger crowd in general. Uh, there's the the population is higher. There's a higher population density. So one, it lend it lends itself to, at least somebody would uh, hopefully come in and say something if something was happening. And it's it's difficult to like go and beat somebody up if like there are a thousand people walking across the street from you, right? Um, and I don't. I I feel like. If my parents here, uh, if I let them, you know, have a rental car or something, and they would go to somewhere in the bay, uh, and I mean Fresno, Fresno is is pretty pretty close by, and it, this is things are happening here, um, things are happening in LA, um, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel comfortable letting them uh, go out on their own. Sure, I see. Um, and we we also talked previously about how. You felt that things have gotten worse since yeah. you first moved to the states. So how many years ago was that that you? This was two thousand nine, so it's been six years now. Sure. So, yeah. in, what what in your mind has changed right. for, um, well, not just Sikh people, right? But just like in general, yeah, yeah the state. Uh, yeah, uh, I I distinctly remember the day the news came out that Osama bin Laden had died. And my airport travel experience completely changed after that. Whoa! What do you mean? <laughs> so I would, I would always, uh, I would always get picked up for a for a search and things like that at the airport, uh, and like any any minor thing that you probably forgot in your bag, like a bottle of water. I was like, oh shit! I forgot a bottle of water. I'll just drink this water, throw it in the dustbin. No, you will be singled out and like taken separately for search. What, what does that mean, taken separately for search? What was, what was your experience like? So they'll, they'll like dump your whole bag out, they'll empty, they'll ask you questions about every single thing while you have there. You're like, do you have a camera? Yes, turn that thing on. Let's see if it's an actual camera. Do you have a laptop? Yes, turn that thing on. Let's see if it's an actual laptop. Um, so, uh, and just like, you'd go through the metal detector, you go through the x-ray scanner, everything. But then you would still get singled out for a, a body pat down and things like that. Oh, um, wow. So, so yeah, and then the day the news came out and my first uh, flight after that, I walked in there, like, as usual, two hours early So because I know I, I, I always get singled out and uh, I have to spend extra time in the, in the queue. And I went in there and uh, it was just like, 
people behave very normally with me and I was like wow this is what it feels like to <laughs> <laughs> to not get singled out and this is this is why people say I'll leave like an hour before my flight and get to the airport and like I was never able to do that um so yeah I, the behavior suddenly it was like a f- switch being flipped off um and I I welcomed it I was like well it's it's kind of sad in some sense because that makes you realize that there must be some somebody which unfortunately was thinking that I was Osama bin Laden in some sense, because because when you when you reduce the fact that he's now he's now killed, then uh, scrutiny on me has stopped. That means some there's there's an iota of like identity of his identity that that is probably being placed on me, which which uh, makes me sad. But anyways. That that flipped off a switch, and it was it was pretty good after that. And then I think in the recent, uh, almost uh, an year or so, um, the number of uh, attacks on Sikhs have actually risen a lot. Um, I, as I was saying, 2016 already three in only California. I'm not 100% sure why that is happening. Um, my personal belief is that it could be the changing political situation right now in in America. The elections are coming up and everything, and uh, uh, again, this is what I have been reading. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced about it, but preliminary uh, feeling is that it's because, especially the uh, the rhetoric that is uh, that is out there, the political rhetoric about um, anti-immigration, anti-Muslim, uh, and and just like anti every like everybody who's not considered like an, an American, basically. So I think people are jumping on a lot and uh, drawing a lot of conclusions recently. Yeah. yeah. So do you, do you, you know, along that vein, right. do you feel this pressure to always prove that you're, like, not a terrorist and right. that, you know, you want to be a productive member? Like, is that right. a pressure that you feel every day? <laughs> I think I dealt with that a long time ago, and I don't feel that anymore. Uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, Sikhs who live in America, who, let's say, uh, there are the a lot of Sikhs who are born in America. I mean, Sikhs have been here in America for about 120, 130 years now, uh, maybe a little more. Uh, those who are born and brought up here, they they will come up and say, you know, we are Americans, we are, we are American Sikhs and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, trying to validate their identity at that, uh, in, in, that, in that sense. I I don't say I'm, I'm, I'm I am an American citizen because I'm not like I I'm here from India I'm I'm an immigrant, uh, and I, all I say is you know this is I I'm a Sikh and you know I'm just this cool dude who came from India uh, let's be friends, uh, but yeah I I actually uh, consciously want to not play into that I consciously want to not uh, have that pressure of trying to prove that hey. I'm I'm a, I'm safe to be around and things like that. At that point, I I don't care. Um, I think I think it's it should. I don't want to take that pressure on, on myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So uh, just kind of closing up here. Yep. You know, what are some like final thoughts or just closing statements you want to share? I mean, yeah. Like, let's say that. <laughs> Let's say that this mic, and I highly doubt it, but let's say that this mic, right, like, right. is a special mic that just speaks to the American public as a whole. Right. What are some of the things that, not just about your religion, but right. just as an individual that you'd right. like to share about, you know, your experience? Right. I think, uh, in closing, it would be just, just that, you know, just stop reducing people uh, to what you see as their skin color, as, uh, as uh, you know, what they're wearing and things like that. Uh, 
because especially living in New York has taught taught this to me. Uh, when you're traveling in a subway in a New York uh, in New York subway, uh, you see a lot of people with weird hairstyles, and you see a lot of people with uh, tattoos and piercings and things like that, uh, or or just like completely different dressing sense. And don't like judge them for looking different because you look different to them too. I think that's that's the biggest conclusion I've I have had and uh yeah it's just if you if you think that somebody looks different and has odd customs and things like that put yourself in their shoes and you would look equally different and you would have equally different customs t- to that person so if you want to if you if you th- feel like hey because this person looks different and uh it, they have a different skin color and they they have different customs and different styles of clothing they must be good or bad like putting labels on them uh you can you can then expect them to do the same to you and i think that's a vicious cycle and we should not have that cool thanks so yeah. much <laughs> you're welcome uh, so yeah thanks rajit for taking the time to to do this really appreciate it um yeah thanks i think i think it's very sensitive of you to actually pick that up and and i i think we should have more dialogue like that in society and i think uh, what you're doing is really commendable yeah no i i totally <laughs> agree it's I, I, just, I mean, we don't, we don't share the same background. Right. We are, you know, we don't share the same citizenship. Right. Uh, we don't even same this, share the same religious beliefs. But mm-hmm. um, for me, when I heard that, you know, you felt that your family would be unsafe. Right. There's something like <laughs> deeply wrong. Right. Right. About that, you know, and I've had the pleasure of being able to spend time with you and get to know right. you. I feel like not just colleagues, but we're good friends. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, from my perspective, just just for the record out there, right. Arjit's a good guy. He's a really <laughs> good guy. And it seems to me, uh, as someone who's grown up in the States, born and raised here, right. that it's it's kind of a betrayal mm-hmm. of the idea of the American dream, right? right? Um, the American dream being that anybody can make it. Right. You know, like right. land of the free, home of the brave. Right. We hold these truths to be self-evident, right? Those kinds of things. Right. That... It isn't self-evident to you and yeah. that this is a place where your family can feel free, right? right? And you can feel safe. Right. Um, and that our political discourse in society makes it so that you're not even sure in the eight hours that you're at work that your parents will be okay right. yeah. as visitors. Like, that's... <laughs> I, I don't know. That's just wrong to me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I yeah. really appreciate you sharing. No, thanks. Thanks for taking the time. I think uh, it's, it's, very, uh, it's very helpful to you know get this message across in society yeah Yeah. very cool so uh to everyone out there thank you for listening um as always you can find us at paulkimexplains.com our twitter is paulkimexplains we have an email at paulkimexplains at gmail.com should be paul at paul dot paul you can also find us on reddit there's paulkimexplains subreddit you can message us there's all sorts of places please let us know what you think if you uh, have a kind word for Urjeet, we'd be more than happy to pass that along. If you have ideas for podcast episodes in the future, if you want us to have conversations with other people, I mean, this Urjeet, and we're very honored, Urjeet is our first interview, actually. So if you have other ideas for people we should interview, we'll be more than happy. But until then, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.